right, welcome back everybody to this week's edition of American Billiard Radio. My name is Mr. Bond. I'll be your host once again this week. It is November the 10th, 2016. And I was just checking out this music by Niels Fayen of the Netherlands. You know, he's one of the uh, European Moscone Cup team members. There's a lot of pool players out there that make a little music, you know? It's pretty cool, pool players making music. Niels has got this EP coming out on the 21st of this month. Uh, going to be for sale over on um, Bosom Records under the artist name Nellis, N-E-L-L-I-S. So if you want to pick up some music by Niels Fan, man, go check it out. That's pretty cool. So what's going on in the pool world? You know what's going on in the pool world. If you guys, uh, unless you live in a cave, Moscone Cup right around the corner. Qualifiers are done. The team has been chosen or teams have been chosen. And we are just counting down to the day of destruction. <laughs> um, so, as it were, we're going to be talking a little bit with uh, Mr. Mark Wilson. Uh, you could call him the coach. You could call him the captain, I suppose, of Team USA. And uh, a little bit later in the show, we're going to be talking with Mr. Uh, Rodney Morris, one of the hand-picked members of the team going to get their thoughts on uh, what we are facing coming up with this Moscone Cup and uh, you know what kind of strategies they might employ. And in between, we're going to pick up a, a pool chip from Randy G and Scott Lee with the One Minute Pool Instructor. So stick around. We're going to kick it all off with Mark Wilson right after this. Welcome back, everybody. I have Mr. Mark Wilson. The um, should I call you the coach or the captain? Well, both. Either one. I use them interchangeable myself. <laughs> okay. But anyway, welcome everybody. All right. Yeah, Coach Mark Wilson. We'll call you Coach since you're the coach there at Lindenwood. So, uh, welcome back to the show, Mark. Yeah, I'm coming to you from my command bunker right here between the Lindenwood University Billiards Arena, and uh, it's the only secure place that we have. <laughs> Europe cannot possibly infiltrate or uh, <laughs> surreptitiously get some information. That's right. That's right. The the spies can't get into the uh, the secret headquarters there. <laughs> secret right. bunker. That's pretty funny. Well, obviously now the team, uh, the final Moscone Cup. Team USA and Team Europe have been announced. Uh, before we get into the, the Team USA stuff, um, have you talked to – is Marcus still the coach over there and have you spoken to him this year? Yeah, Marcus is the captain. Or and, captain, uh, yeah. I congratulated him on his team and asked him if he couldn't have picked a couple of lesser difficult players. <laughs> shrugged it off with a laugh because his two captain's picks was uh, Darren Appleton and uh, Albin Ocean, which, yeah. you know, both of those guys, fantastic. And then the rest of his team, Jason Shaw, the hottest player on the planet. Yeah. You got Niels Fine, who won it way early. And then, you know, Mark Gray is the guy that doesn't miss a ball for a week at a time. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, how does that make you feel? I mean, uh, obviously, Team Europe is intimidating. Um, I don't think there's any question about that. So uh, you, you must... 
put on some steel reserve or something, you know? Like, what do you do? Uh, well, to tell you the truth, we know they're going to be good because they could field two other teams made up of players of yeah. the same stature. So sure. we don't even worry about them. I mean, there's Holman and Sukay and uh, Nick Vandenberg and Nikos Kanemopoulos. I mean, yeah. they got plenty of talent. So they're going to be good no matter what. It's just what we do is really what it boils down to. So right. we try to emphasize that. Sure, sure enough, sure enough. Well, that is true. So let's talk about Team USA. Um, top three came in, Shane and uh, Mike and, uh, oh, I'm s- going to get them mixed up. Sky. Oh, Skyler. Sky. That's right, Skyler. Uh, we talked to Skyler last week. Um, we have, we're have we going to be talking to some of the other team members. Um, l- I guess we'll start with the basics. How do you feel about the pool of players this year? Was it a hard choice? Oh, it's always a hard choice. I would liken it to being like a major league baseball manager making his final cut before spring training. You got a power hitting left fielder that's not that great defensively, and then you got a great middle reliever. And what are you going to need most the first month of the season? And True. both of them are going to end up playing, being contributing members. Right. As always, you know that it's a really it's something I don't look forward to, and it's hurtful to people that are professional players. That's sure. the last thing I want to do is uh, right. hurt anyone's feelings because I'm sensitive too. I played. You know. Sure. But no. that just comes with the territory. Yeah. Well, yeah. Unfortunately, you're right. There's only five allowed on the team suit, so it's not possible to include every great player. That's, you know, uh, uh, you can't take more than five. But here's a question that's been raised, you know. Um, Last year, you decided to go with uh, the top five on the on the rankings, the final rankings for the Moscone Cup points. And this year, you decided to do something different. Now, and that's not to say that there wasn't a pattern, because prior to that, you know, it was completely different. Also, so it's it's been different every year. Tell us why you decided to uh, go with something other than the top five. Uh, well, I mean, just by definition, Captain's picks suggests that you don't have to go with the top five. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, there's a lot of misunderstanding among the general public, I would say, regarding exactly what the Moscone Cup is. And some people view it as a exhibition, or they might view it as a end-of-the-year bonus, reward, junket, vacation. Sure. Know, no, this is actually a competition, right. and it's got pretty serious prize money and a ton of promotional uh, value. Sure. So it, it is on. It's a real match. It goes to 90 million homes, so it's probably about the most prolific thing that a player can earn his way onto. True. And I'm tasked with the uh, effort to win. We haven't won for quite some time. <laughs> right. And so... Uh, this is the reason that, uh, well, I mean, even last year, we ended up going with the top five, but I was looking at players as low as number 12 last year, seriously. Yeah. And uh, wrestled with that to the bitter end and then made my decision. And last year, uh, mercifully, it worked out where my two captains statistically measured out at the top two players on Team USA. So right. uh, that could have gone dramatically awry and might have even cost me my job over it. But nonetheless, they, they came through flying. And so... You kind of 
you get the tough decisions and you just go with your best intuition. Who's got the hot hand right now? You know, right, right. Uh, early in the year versus late in the year. Sure. Uh, actually, I already mentioned Europe's team, so you know they're ultra tough. So yeah. you're going to have to get some serious firepower in there right now. Right. So what it sounds like you're saying is that last year you didn't make a conscious choice like I want to take the top five on the ranking score. It just turns out that the five that you wanted to take were the top five on the ranking score. Like it just right. inadvertently. Yeah. Actually, you know, you know it, was, it was weird. It was Bergman and Skyler at the end, and uh, they were not even fourth and fifth. They were tied for fourth, both of them. Right. They played a lot of events and played some pretty good challenge matches in the middle of the year, and all that led to my decision to take the young guys. You know, so that's, that's right. the way it went. And some guys' feelings were hurt, but even, even Rodney Morris, for instance, I mean, he – he lashed out and was very uh, uh, prolific and animated about his response to him not even being considered. It wasn't that, but nevertheless, uh, he responded by having a good year this year and sure. we included him and glad to have him. Right. I, I I couldn't imagine a better five players representing the U.S. I think it's the absolute strongest team that we've ever had, and, and I couldn't imagine there's anyone else that uh, should have been included that was overlooked. Well, and then here's another question for you. You know, um, the uh, the team component. You you mentioned earlier, like a baseball uh, coach, where you might a baseball team coach, where you might need a better hitter or a better catcher or a better fielder, uh, based on individual strengths. Is that to say that that's the criteria that you used to pick? your wild cards in other words you felt like there was a need for something that these two gentlemen had that the the three qualifiers didn't necessarily have um i'm sorry no, did, was, no, that, was that was that too Although, complicated I think, they, I think i think they bring a lot to the party because uh, listen this year we're facing a arena that holds 2200 people sure that's been sold out for 10 months Oh yeah, and biggest arena we've ever performed in was 1100. That was the last time in Blackpool, and it was daunting and intimidating. I mean, these people are fervent. You know, I mean, it's not like they just come there and politely applaud. I mean, this chance oh, yeah. and cheers, and it's on, and it's exciting. Oh yeah, absolutely thrilling. But this is double the size, and uh, there will not be a, a big pro-American contingent there either. So. <laughs> Rodney Morris is a very experienced player, and he's got that good hang-loose attitude. He's similar to Skyler in terms of the attitude. Yeah. I figure they will pair up well together. And, but I think that will help to kind of free up the rest of the team. If you get some uptight guys in there, and then that crowd, and, and then you know, undoubtedly you're going to face adversity along the way, mm -hmm. it will test you. And if you're a little bit weak at all, it will fracture you. Yeah. So that was that was part of Rodney's inclusion. Was one he played a great year. And he's got a good attitude, and, uh, and, and some of his, some of the things he's not as strong on is the position play. You know, frankly, you know when you play scotch doubles, Rodney is like a golfer that can shoot par or under par, but he'll hit the rough on the right, rough on the left, and then <laughs> he'll do play. You know, I mean, and then and then you know, but the rest of the guys, they, they like to be in line. You know, and then otherwise they're always chronically out of line. Rodney plays better from out of line. 
the other guys are all, you know, tactical guys, not shot makers. Rodney relies on the shot making. The other guys are position players, you know, so right. that's where Skyler's attitude and Bergman too. They, they don't really mind playing from bad positions because in their youth they played a lot of bad positions and just shoot, sure. shoot their way out. Yeah, well, so, along but, those... But Rodney's got way more strength than his drawback, and I think even his drawback's gotten a lot stronger, and it's sure. evidenced by the fact that he's finished high in the rankings. Yeah, that's right. Then, you know, you got Justin Bergman, who played a great U.S. Open. I watched uh, a couple of his matches, and they were against names that you haven't heard of, but uh, it had you blinked, these guys would have beat you. There's some, so much talent at the U.S. Open nowadays that, that going there, right. you, you know, when you draw a former U.S. Open champion that's not a bad draw at the u.s open anymore you know i mean it's, <laughs> yeah it's not it's not like you get a third round professional plumber to play against you know? yeah yeah no this is true so we upon looking at looking at all the different dynamics of what goes into it that's what constitutes our team and so we got you know great all-around player they all have some experience we really don't have moscone cup rookies coming in and i don't think this is a great year for rookies neither yeah um, Given that we're going over there, and given that we haven't won, and given that it's going to be even a more adverse crowd. Right. Let me ask you a related question, um, and it has to do with um, I don't even know where to what what how to categorize this because I don't know what it is that's making it happen. For someone that's so strong, a player like Shane, how can we explain? And this is this doesn't go to you. In other words, this is not on you. I'm not somehow suggesting that you have anything to do with it. I'm just asking a, an opinion question. What is it that can make somebody like Shane um, just fail to um, play at his true best level in an, an event like uh, this? Great question. You know what yeah, I mean? Great question. We ponder it often. I know we can, yeah. you know imagine all kinds of stuff what do you think it is well i think one is a slight aberration uh in terms of it's a a very short match and you're playing highly skilled players and you don't get much of a second chance the first ball you strike will be on the tv table when you lag you don't get a warm-up or Right. And we generally do not play under these circumstances, live television, the intensity and glare of the moment. And so now he's had a couple times, I think maybe his career record in the Moscone Cup, and this might be his 10th appearance, is like he's a 44% win rate. So you say, well, he's less than half. Okay, well, that's true. And he's up against players that play his, you know, that are his equal. And then sometimes I think because he's like the strongest horse on Team USA, I think he tries to shoulder more of the burden, and then he feels some extra pressure that when he's playing by himself, the team dynamic doesn't come into it, where it does in this particular case. And so the the remedy is twofold. One, you're not going to fix your record in one match or one one Moscone Cup. So relax. Whatever happens, it's okay. Do your game. You know, don't worry about what others think of you or, or you're going to try to fix this. It's more of an aberration because, you know, last, well, nobody has won four out of five U.S. Open against the field of talent. It's never been that strong in the last five years as I've ever seen. I've been around it since it began. So you know he's playing well. Right. There's no question about that. You know, I mean, it's not like he's, you know, not exactly. practicing or anything. He's, right. You know, Shane Van Boney, he's hitting balls right now. He's not here, but I guarantee he's hitting balls, or he's thinking about hitting balls. So. 
Yeah, no, that's so, uh, exactly my just, point. It's just, uh, I think it's more, people people make more of it than it is. And, you know, the matches are uh, relatively short. However, he has been there for 10 years, so now he's played, you know, uh, probably a couple hundred racks at the Moscone Cup. It just hasn't turned out favorable. Have you looked at the, anyway, have you looked at the stats um, over the last few years? And it, of like the losses and wins, and can you put your finger on specifically a like one or two? Like, is it forced errors? Is it lost lags? Is it missed shots? Like, what is the one thing that 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 makes us win or lose again and again and again on paper? You know, really, really good question. Again, so, uh, I happen to have the stats right in front of me, and uh, because I ponder these every day. And so, uh, specific to last year, we did much better than we did the year before, and we went nine and nine on lags. And you'd say, "Oh, lag? What's a, that's not a big deal." Oh, well, yeah, the year before, is. the players said they were good at lagging, <laughs> and we won two out of sixteen lags. And wow, in twenty fourteen, we won two out of sixteen lags, and it was hideous. But uh, so that means when you're playing a quality team like Europe was in that particular year, they averaged breaking and running out 39% of the time, which was skewed a little high. But nevertheless, that means basically four out of ten times the match goes hill-hill when you lose the lag, four out of ten times you won't even shoot. And so then if you can just go 50-50 the rest of the games, you're still getting murdered seven to three out of ten matches. Right. So last year we put a big emphasis on improving our lag rate. We ended up nine and nine, which was a complete split. Yeah. And the matches went down. There was eight hill hill matches, so we got to break in four of those basically, and uh, and we split those matches. So it was a much better result. The year before, when we were two out of sixteen, that was hideous. But the full measure of embarrassment wasn't realized because we lost before it went hill-hill. So we never really got to see how bad it was really going to be. Right, right. Nevertheless, that's the way it worked out. So we improved that. And then last year, we actually uh, broke better than Europe. Um, Let me see here what my stats say. We we had 70 breaks and they had 71. We were successful 55 out of 70, which was remarkably good. And that's what the nine on the spot break from anywhere behind the head spring power break insisted upon. Um, that is good. That's uh, so we're they, yeah they were only successful forty eight times out of seventy one. We broke and ran out twenty times. They broke and ran out sixteen. So we won there. We only scratched on the break three times. They scratched on the break four. They. Um, the break and run rate for us last year was 29%, which is uh, almost identical to the year before. They were dropped down from 39% to 22%, and that's inclusive of two nines on the break. Hmm. So, I wow. mean, uh, I, I imagine their figure will come back up to more like the 30% is probably the world class elite average nine ball, nine foot table yeah. break and run out rate. So, uh, and uh, cumulative, uh, they played at 880 TPA, total performance average, that's the AccuStats, and we played at cumulative 845, which, you know, it's 850 is the benchmark of pro level, 900 world class, but in the Moscone Cup, you don't hardly ever see 900s, and certainly not cumulative for the week. Mm. But one of the bigger discrepancies would be just total balls pocketed, and uh, 
last year we pocketed 593 and they pocketed 641. Mm. So we, we lost 48 balls there and in those 48 balls, more nine balls exist. Right. So that's, that's a distinguishing factor, you know? Yeah, that's um, like seven racks right there. Yeah. Right, right. And six we, racks. We lost it. It's most, most interesting, uh, we lost by 14 games last year out of 142 games, so that's a pretty sound beating. It still improved over the year before. Sure, sure. sure. And, uh, well, there was a lot of statistics, well, though. There was a lot of areas that we did outperform them in. No, no, we only outperformed them on the break. <laughs> you know, oh. Everything else, we, I got it all right here in front of me. So anyone that, if you hear someone say, you know, Team USA gets some bad rolls, uh, guess again. That is not the case <laughs> one, whatsoever. Yeah, you know, I mean that is not even close. Uh, what it is is that uh, we failed on sixteen more. We we failed on sixteen kick shots. They failed on seven kick shots, which means ball in hand. So we had a nine deficit there. In an alternate the break format, you're looking at on average one point two games per failed kick where you give up ball in hand. So out of the 14 games, that accounts for, say, you know, nearly 12 of those games just on the failed kick. And then we played eight more bad safeties. What constitutes a bad safety is when you try to play safe and they pocket a ball. Right. So that means they had eight more good starts. So cumulative, all that, so our break and run out uh, improvement and, and success over them was lost in the kicking and the safety game and then lost, you know, threefold. There you go. Yeah. So that's that's the bottom line is kicking and safety, and these are not glamorous things to practice. Most Americans practice their break, they practice shot making, and they practice jump shots. And when it comes to lagging, kicking, and safety play, it's not glamorous, it's tedious, it's not exciting. So we just get, ah, I'm pretty good at that, I'll just let that go. And, but that's not the case whatsoever, you know. And so, right. so those are components of things that we will definitely address coming up in our training. <laughs> Well, that's that's exactly what I was wanting to know. <clears throat> is that list that you just read off? You know, where where did we stand on each of these different things? And is that kind of is that exactly what you would be focusing on? Which it turns out it sounds like you are. So fantastic! You know? Yeah, yeah, we, we analyze it all the time. And you know, that's one thing when when you look at Team USA, we have a great team all together. And you say, well, you got five great players, true. But behind the scenes, you've got Pat Fleming, who comes and does the statistics, and we get those fed to us each day so we can look at the metrics of what's going on here, how can we improve it. Right. And, yes, that doesn't mean there's a wholesale change. You know, I can't go out there and say, quit missing, you know, or something uh, right. like that. That's yeah. Not, but, but also there's things that you can look at. And one of the things, you know, really, the Moscone Cup table is so super slippery because it's brand new cloth. It's not practiced on. Only the matches are played on. Right. That That's what hurts our kicking. We lost them. We, we gave up ball in hand on some very, very routine kick shots last year, last year just because of the lack of familiarity uh, on, on the table. Sure. And this year it will be a challenge once again because we're going to be playing on a table that none of us participate on on any kind of regular basis. Right. Now we will have new cloth. It will have oh, yeah. different rails. Oh, yeah. And so uh, it's a Rasson brand. I, I mean, there maybe is a couple in the United States. I, I, I personally have never played on one. So. Yeah. And I asked most of the players. Shane has. Shane's the only one that's ever had any experience, and, and that was pretty limited. Yeah, I think that's going to be a challenge for a lot of people because it's just not a, it's not a well-distributed brand yet, and so there's not a lot of people that have, have good 
experience on that table. That will definitely throw yeah. a wrench into everybody's game, probably. You know, both sides of the fence. Hey, we're all for it. Yeah. Let's <laughs> dig something up here, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Go do something to throw them off a little bit there, man. Well, cool. Uh, it sounds like you guys are, uh, you know, getting psyched up and ready to go. Uh, now, before this all goes down, you guys are all going to gather the troops together in the secret fortress and then have a big party, I understand, at uh, the ballpark in St. Louis. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, the, the celebration of the sport, that takes place on Wednesday, November 30th. And that will be a ballpark village. It's not a big party for the players, but it is a big party for everybody else. Yes. And we'll have, you know, hopefully you will be there. American Billiards Radio, uh, Billiards Digest is coming, Diamond, Simonis. These are all people that are granted spaces just be on their past history of being good to the sport. Sure. We don't charge money, but you had to previously prove in your worth. And so uh, we're going to give back to the sport a little bit. And then we'll have oh, somewhere between 800 and 1,000 people come. It will also be streamed on Q2. And Team USA will be playing a serious money match that night, Moscone Cup style, singles and scotch doubles, versus a team of former Moscone Cup stars and Hall of Famers made up of Nick Varner, <laughs> Darren Core, yeah, Mike Massey. Shannon McCannon, who was a Moscone Cup MVP, and then Jeanette Lee. Uh-huh. And so it will be a formidable task that will be streamed in-house on their, they have a high-def TV that remind you of a movie theater screen, 30 foot long and 15 and 20 foot high. <laughs> and uh, then during the day, we have a lot of pro players coming from out of town, Memphis, Indianapolis, uh, Quad Cities, Dubuque, Decatur, they're all sending pro teams over here to compete, and they will come to the 2017 Moscone Cup in Las Vegas, the winner of that, and they'll get custom team shirts, and they'll get season tickets to the 2017 Moscone Cup, so it'll be a pretty good brand of competition. Cool. In fact, some of the players even have points on the Moscone Cup rankings list they'll be participating in. Players yeah. like Shane McMahon, Rob Saez. Sure enough. Uh, Dave Matlock. Yeah, you got, you got some serious talent coming. Yeah, that sounds like it's going to be a, a blast is what it sounds like to me. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I really yeah. am. Yeah, we got uh, we got our military presence there. We're honoring some military vets, and the president of Lindenwood University will be awarding the national championship ring to my college team. Ooh, cool. The cheer and dance teams will be there. Yeah, it's going on. It's be exciting. You'll be glad you made the trip for sure. <laughs> now, is all is that whole facility? Is that all indoors or outdoors or what? It's indoors. It's okay. part of Bush Stadium where the Cardinals play baseball, and it's brand new. It's, it's called a sports anchor development. There's seven of them in existence. And it's the most visible uh, nightlife in St. Louis, for sure. Seven bars, restaurants, the Cardinal Hall of Fame is there. And then they do special one-off events, and this is one of them, and sure. they're looking at doing it at five of the other ballpark villages around the United States. Philadelphia, Kansas City, Louisville, Atlanta. Baltimore next year Texas will have one cool so uh, it's a very important step forward and it's uh, to be honest with you I, I'll probably not recover my cash investment but the value of it is so uh, big that it's worth it that yeah it's justifiable right right no this is great exposure great mainstream exposure to sports fans and the general public so it's you know nothing bad about that at all 
Nope, it's going to be good. And are the advance tickets still available for ten dollars? Is that oh, correct? Good, good point. Yeah, uh, two for twenty. No, they're ten dollars a piece. It's fine advance. Day of the show, it's be twenty dollars at the door. It's a fully ticketed event this year, which means you will have to have a ticket to get in. And but the tickets are worth fifty anyway. Got stars like that coming in. We don't respect that. And I kind of sell it like this: if you're currently a league four handicap. Desiring to be a League 3 handicap, please don't come to Ballpark Village on November 30th. Because we want people there that really care and are passionate about the sport, not just about themselves. Yeah, right. Okay, so where can they get tickets? They can get them at a host of locations in St. Louis. They can just go on my website, playgreatpool.com, and click on the PayPal connection, and I'll ship them right out to you. Okay, playgreatpool.com. There you go. That's what you need to yep. do. Awesome. Well, thank you, sir. I do appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about the team. And uh, best of luck to you there in London. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, we're super excited about this. We put our whole heart and soul into it. So. All right. Take Everybody care, Mark. See you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yep. Bye. Hi, I'm Scott Lee. Randy G. Welcome to the One Minute Pool Instructor. So what we got in store today? You know, I think it's time to revisit the break. Boy, we see some really wild and crazy ways of people trying to break out there. and I think a lot of them are trying to copy what they see their heroes doing, the, the pros. Or non-pros. Yeah, or non-pros. Uh, the, I think the real issue is that everybody has their own idea of what constitutes a good break and and some people think that it's throwing your body into uh, the the shot some people think that you need a heavier cue some people need think you need a real extended follow-through so well let's break uh, the breakdown then mm-hmm. well and, and because it's scary when people ask me can you help me with the break my first question back to them is what part of the break <laughs> and in yeah, usually people come and say, well, I can't make a ball in the break. Or, or they'll say, I'm only making a ball in the break half the time. And your answer is, well, that's hey, good. you're breaking at pro level. Yeah, 56% <laughs> now is the new um, gold standard for breaking. Mm-hmm. If you make a ball, either an 8-ball or 9-ball, 10-ball, 56% of the time, you're breaking an average. That's pretty good. Yeah, heck um, yeah. The amateurs think they're probably supposed to make a ball under break every time. Well, that's not going to happen. No. So the gold standard is is maybe half the time. And it may be a little bit better than half for uh, when they use the things like the rack templates. Or the magic, yeah, the magic rack mm-hmm. or something like that, yes. Or, or a certain table. Mm-hmm. And then there are always certain people who seem to break better and get better a- uh, results. But these are averages. Yeah. That means there was low people, high people. Um, uh, 50% is really good. Anytime somebody wants me to help them develop a better break, there's two things that I tell them right off the bat. Number one, quit lunging at the ball. Stand still and swing the cue. Uh, high-speed stop shot. High-speed stop shot. That's all I and, ever And as far you. as speed goes, everybody shoots too hard. 
even on the brake. So back your speed off if you want to get a better brake. Once you can control where the cue ball stops, then you can build speed back into your swing. But I tell people to cut their brake speed in half while you're trying to learn right. how to have a more accurate brake. Well, of all the things I've read and watched and listened to, I've never heard an instructor tell me that the higher the speed, the more balls you're going to get. <laughs> I've never heard that. So uh, it must be a macho thing or a pool player thing to think they need more speed to make a ball. Well, and the interesting thing is that the people out there that have the alleged higher speed brakes, uh, pros like Larry Neville and Francisco Bustamante, who uh, have allegedly hit a 35 mile an hour brake, which is huge. Well, it's the top of the... Uh, it's the yeah. top of the scale. Yeah. And the thing is, they don't use that speed brake when they're playing in a tournament. No. no. Because the, you can't control the cue ball very no, well. No, the average speed's only about 24 miles an hour. And that's in for a, a pro. Yeah, that's for a pro. So and the average amateur, if you've got a... 18? Yeah, 16 to 18 mile an hour brake and you're accurate, man, that's a great brake. I agree. I agree. So, so speed on the brake isn't I like your idea of letting speed up. Yeah. I made more balls and control my cue ball a lot better at a 17, 18 mile an hour break than I ever have maybe at my top speed. Well, and the problem is that when we really try to uh, increase that speed dramatically, then other things change. Sure. How, how we're grabbing on the cue, whether or not we're able to actually stand still and swing the cue versus tight grip and punch it, right. which, which is what most people believe the brake so, is about. So I teach the brake from both ends. I teach the rack, how to read the rack, how to rack, and where to hit the ball if you're hitting head ball or second ball or whatever you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. um, then I teach the brake from the physical end too, of, of how fast do you move your cue, what kind of stroke do you use, um, at what speed should we be uh, trying to get to. Um, in, in, in to each their own, but I, I don't think uh, there's any reason to be starting a motorcycle or, or jumping up on the table or kicking your leg up in the air. Right. Um, yeah, all a speed is is a high speed stroke. That's all a brake is. High speed stop shot, as you yeah, as you yeah. said. Now I think the most important thing is if somebody wants more speed out of their cue ball, they have to get closer to dead center. Absolutely, and you have to have a better swing at the at the ball, and that's, to me, that's the real difference between a piston and a pendulum stroke is the ability to deliver that cue accurately. Time after time after time. Right, because it's the same swing. stroke returns right to where you aimed it. I'm not sure where the piston stroke ever returns to. Well, and the, uh, one of the basic problems with the piston is that it has no end. Yeah, or no middle or beginning, actually, so. Has the same beginning, because you're pulling the stick back to your hand. Possibly. Most people are, yeah. anyway. Uh, but it has no end. Uh, no, it has uh, no SPF a, to it. A pendulum it? stroke has a start and a, an end to it, and they're always the same. So, as you get away from center cue ball with your tip, your cue speed may be the same, but, but the translation from cue stick to cue ball isn't the same. Well, and it's not going to go in a straight line either. No, right. So now you're, you're losing translation or transfer of energy on the head ball too. Well, and this is what we teach is that if you want to have a good break, you need to hit that cue ball flat. It, it has to have no spin, yeah, no top, it, no bottom. Skid it right down there. Bounce it right down there. No right, no left. And, and then hit square on the rack. 
because if you don't hit square, you can't have a, a good transition of energy so, from the cue stick to the rack. So here's one of the things I tell people. If your cue ball moves after you hit the head ball, you've wasted energy. Mm -hmm. And what do I mean by that, Scott? Well, you, what you mean is that if the cue ball still has energy left on it, top, bottom, right, left, that energy could have gone into spreading out the rack more. Right, right. Number one. So number your cue two, ball should go flat dead. Right. Number two, if your cue ball still got some kind of spin on it and you don't hit square on the rack, oh, it's going to find a hole to fall in. That's the first thing it's looking for. Sure. Well, there's 30 inches of pocket, basically, on any size pool table. Yeah. So the break is not a mystery. It's a science. And, and I know that I have a completely different break for nine ball than I do for eight ball. I mm -hmm. know that. My eight ball break is slower and controlled, slower speed and more controlled. My nine ball breaks a couple of miles an hour higher and, and hopefully controlled, but. Uh... So what's your take on uh, this super extended follow through that we see a lot of people doing? Well, my take on it is that's kind of useless. Doesn't do anything. I, I mean, the cue ball's gone. Cue ball's gone in, in a thousandth of a second. Uh, your extended follow through or, or jump starting your cue and jumping your body or kicking your leg just doesn't have anything to do with hitting the cue ball. And I guess, you know, if you hit 10,000 breaks, maybe you can make that work for you. Oh, you can get real good at it. I, I've watched, uh, uh, for instance, Johnny Archer has a great break. And, and he says he tries to touch his cue stick to at least center table or to the head of the rack. Uh, well, there's that poster with him with his cue up in the air after the uh, break. The butt of his hand up in the air, but his tip is down. That's right. Um, yeah, I, I think, well, first of all, I think the number one error is tip in the air on the break. Mm -hmm. The minute your tip uh, is past center cue ball, you're losing energy. You know, the tip should be down on the table at the end of every break. Uh, every shot. Yeah, every shot, right. But, so right. I don't know. Um, my That's take, some good information. My take on, on that extended follow-through has is, is always been the same. It's just useless. So if you want a better break, slow down. Get be, more accurate. Be consistent in how you deliver that cue and then quit if you grabbing want, it. If you want to get macho, then from there you start building up a couple miles in an hour. But, um, and find your default zone of where you, you fall down at to where you, you hit break good at. Sounds good. All right, so um, what do you want to talk about next week? I think we should go into the stance. I've seen some real different ideas on the stance, and, and I think you and I should talk about it. That's a great idea. Right. For the One Minute Pool Instructor, I'm Scott Lee. Randy G. We'll see you next time. Welcome back to American Billiard Radio. This is a Legends and Champions Report. I'm your host, Mark Cantrell. And uh, this week, there's been quite a few things that have gone on, uh, especially with the Moscone Cup. The whole Everybody knows what the whole team is now for Europe and uh, Team USA. And so I decided to get my old buddy, old, old buddy, uh, Rodney Morris, the Rocket, on the line with us. How are you doing, Rodney? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me. I want to, you know, I want to start with uh, congratulating you on the first thing is uh, the whole event. I wanted to do an interview with you that day, but you know, it was kind of tough to get that done. But uh, 
How, how was it? How was your night in the whole fan banquet? It was good, you know. Had some, you know, all my good friends there. You know, my fiance came in. You know, some, some, uh, you know, really good friends came from Hawaii. You know, had had all my buddies there. So it was, you know, it was a really good time. It was uh, it was pretty cool actually. Yeah, had a, had a good time. Thank you. Did you, did you ever think that you were going to make it into the Hall of Fame? No, I was bashing that Hall of Fame for decades, and I was like, I don't need to be in no damn Hall of Fame. And I said, no, I robbed all these guys many times before, and I don't need no recognition like that. And as soon as they announced me that I was getting in, I was like, oh, man, that Hall of Fame is so awesome. I love it. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> that was the greatest thing ever all of a sudden, right? <laughs> no, it was good, though. It was, uh, you know, so many, you know, so many decades, right? You look and you see all the legends, and you know now, you know now you're feel like you're part of part of them. You know you're you're up there in the in the record books with them. So that's pretty, that's pretty awesome, awesome feeling. Well, it's great. You know, it's got to be when you th- when you when you think about when you first started playing or you first started coming up and you started winning a couple of tournaments at a younger age and that kind of thing, and you see the people who are going into the Hall of Fame, and you know it's got to be hard to comprehend that, oh, I came from here, and now I'm here. That's, that, that'd be the, the, the biggest trip for me, just trying to comprehend who else is in the Hall of Fame, you know? And, yeah, I'm, there, yeah. I, and I'm, in, I'm in there with them. Yeah, that's the part that, you know, is kind of surreal, you know? But I always, you know, for me, it's not, it's not a different feeling because I always, I'm just myself no matter what. So it doesn't matter, you know. I'm just me. I'm still goofy me, no matter how old I am. So it's like, you know, it's like, you know, I joke around with my friends all the time. Uh, you know, I'm here with my buddy Amar Kang right now in the car, and every time we joke around, I say, "Man, you gotta, you gotta hold the door for me. I'm Hall of Fame now, or something stupid." But we just, we just, I'm just me. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, I still do all the driving when we're around. You know, so I still, I still uh, pay the food when we go eat for him. So I'm still his slave. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you know, reality. I mean, I, I, I probably really take advantage of the situation. I'd be saying, you know, I'm gonna, you drive. I'm gonna sit. You got to open the door, and I'm gonna sit in the back and go. go <laughs> yeah, you go in and check out the room before I go in there. Make sure they say, you know, and uh, <laughs> that's good. It's good for you. Congratulations. I'm, I'm, I'm real happy for you. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate that. Um, then we'll go on to the Moscone Cup. What year you've had? I mean, you've had a good year. I mean, you've been playing well all year. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I play well. I got a new queue, you know, about four or five months ago, whatever, Tascarella queue, and I, I like it. You know, it's built old school way that I like, you know, stainless steel joints and, uh, you know, ivory ferrule or whatnot. But, uh, you know, I started, at the beginning of the year, I was playing real good and then kind of, you know, uh, kind of fell off a little bit here in the last few months, but uh, I'm I'm uh, getting ready to uh, peak again right now. So at the right time, so I feel, I'm feeling good actually. Well, you so you you got you know you played well, you done okay, you know playing in the in the events uh, as you've gone along. You get the Hall of Fame, and then you, you almost you were right there to make the. Moscone Cup team on qualifying points, and at the yeah, last minute, exactly. the last minute dropped. What did you drop into four? Yeah, exactly. The last couple of events, I, I dropped into four. And 
And, but then Mark Wilson gave you the nod, gave you the, gave you the pick. Were you, were you surprised that you got the pick, or? I was actually. I was. I was. I was pretty surprised. I thought that you know, uh, you know, there he was going to favor the you know some uh, younger guy or somebody different you know other than me. So you know, I was very surprised and uh, you know very appreciative actually of picking me. You know, I guess they you know he recognized the hard work that I put in all year. You know, facing all those tournament point tournaments, yeah, like twenty seven, twenty eight of them. So that's a lot of that's a lot of miles and a lot of work facing all these tournaments. So it's, it's you know it felt good that it, it didn't go unnoticed. Right. And how, how many times have you been on the Moscone Cup now? Oh, this is going to be my tenth time. Wow. So you're not a stranger to it. You know what to expect. Yeah, exactly. I know I know exactly what to expect, and uh, you know my mind is already prepared. You know every day, everything I do is is it's on my mind right now. There's no, you know, I'm not going to be. I'm going to be. I'm going to be focused and excited and on edge and ready all the way up until that first. You know, that first lag of the first match. So uh, that's all I'm thinking about right now. The, the um, I, I, there's been some a little bit of controversy uh, or controversy. How do Americans say it? controversy or controversy? Uh, we say it the correct way: controversy. Okay, controversy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, about last year, and don't get me wrong, you know, Mark Wilson was at my wedding, so it's not, I don't have anything against him, but it's just the, um, last year you said the fairest way to pick, and I think he's going to be on the show later or uh, uh, before our segment. Uh, it said that the fairest way to pick last year was to just go by the top five, just because they were. Uh, you know, the gun to put the hours in, to put the time in to qualify, it was the right choice to make. This year he skipped uh, number five and went straight to number six and put Justin Bergman in. Is is that something that, you know, I'm sure you've heard about this, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, Oscar's a buddy of mine, you know, we play all the time on, you know, his meds tour, you know, and, uh, I was actually one of the guys lobbying to, you know, to get Oscar, you know, in. Like uh, when I found out I was getting on, I was like, you know, I hope Oscar's on. You know, nothing against Justin Bergman. You know, he's you know great player, cool guy. But, you know, I for me from from a selfish standpoint, I was pulling for Oscar because I feel like I'm, you know, I'm playing with a a, a buddy that I talk to all the time and joke around. You know what I mean? So it would have been more comfortable for me to play with him. You know, like we could have been joking around and you know, similarly like how Sky would be in with, with Justin. You know. They're, they're comfortable together, and you feel like, you know, you're, you're playing with a brother, you know. Like, we can never do no wrong, no matter what we do, even if you dog every ball. So that's, I was pulling for Oscar to get on there, but, you know, you know the captain picks, you know, you know what he thinks is the best team, and uh, I don't think, you know, there's, there's a fall-off from either player. You know, I don't think he's going to be like, you know, a bad pick, you know, in that situation. And Mark had, was in a... He wasn't going to win, you know, whatever, whoever he picked, you know, the other person was, was going to feel bad or everybody else was going to feel bad and slide it or whatever. You know, it's kind of like this presidential thing, right? <laughs> somebody got to somebody have everybody on, you know, so that's just how it goes. I feel bad for my, my brother Oscar, but, uh, you know, uh, Justin's a great player, so we're going to, we're going to be fine. Do you, do you where do you, where do you see the uh, strengths and the weaknesses in this year's team? Obviously, Europe. When you look at that team, 
It's a very, very good team. There's no two ways about it. It's a great team. Where do you yeah, see they're, they're the strengths and weaknesses? Where do you see the strengths and weaknesses in uh, this year's Team USA? Uh, I think we're fine. We're all, you know, everybody's a great, great player. You know, especially, especially Mike Deshane is playing really good. So I really, I'm really, uh, you know, I'm looking for uh, Mike to really, you know, make a statement here and uh, pull through. He's going to win us a big match, you know, on there. Might win two huge matches, but I know he's, he's due for a big match. And that's all. A lot of times, that's all it really takes. Yeah, the the, the last three years, I've been asking uh, Moscone Cup team members, wh- what is it that you bring to the uh, party? What is it? Where, where is it you think you're? Obviously, you can all play. Okay. Other than your yeah. playing ability, what is it that you? What you think you bring to the table? Uh, for me, myself, I, I, I bring, you know, obviously, you know, experience and leadership and, you know, I, I, when I'm playing good, you know, I got a, I got a unique skill set where when I'm playing good, you can just forget about whoever's on the other side of the table. So it doesn't, you know, I know that. I know when I'm playing my game that you can just forget about everybody else and they can forget about it too. So, but as far as Moscone Cup goes, you know, I bring the leadership and I bring, um, you know, a calm. I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to calm my guys down and, uh, you know, let them know that, hey, you know, it ain't the end of the world. Just play your game and don't worry about what these guys are doing. Just worry about what you're going to do. And that's all you can ever do. And it doesn't matter. You can get out there and miss every ball. Well, as long as you're trying your best and you're enjoying yourself, everything else takes care of itself. That's all there is to it. I'm not sure I quite, uh get what I, I can't comprehend what you just said you're saying Rodney the Rocket Morris brings a, a calm to a situation yes I, I'm always that, relaxed and no, calm with a, with a, with a fire that is explosive yeah, yeah, I don't. Just think about it. Just think about a. Just think about a, just think about a, a bomb ready to explode. Does it make a lot of noise? No, it's real calm and steady, and then boom, it's over. But damn, that's right. That's what's coming. It's just going to be like that. It's going to be like, boom, that's what's happening. 2,200 people are going to be in shock. Everybody's going to be wearing Donald Trump, uh, 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 what do you call bumper stickers when I'm done. (laughs) So you want that riot in this week then, huh? That's a couple of days. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, people in London are not going to burn their own city down. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't. I don't think they really give a crap about it. But uh, <laughs> no, we're going to have fun. It's going to be fun, actually. The, a lot of you know, I love. You know, I'm from Hawaii, so Hawaii is actually more of a European style. You know, kind of, uh, you know, more laid back, kind of, you know, like as far as you know, we're not high strung like you know the rest of America is. You know, so I identify more with European people. You know. And so, you know, I got a lot of European fans and everybody loves me and everybody loves, you know, the way I play and, you know, my relaxed attitude or whatever. So it's fun. I got a lot of, uh, you know, people that I actually, you know, see and talk to all the time from Facebook that are, you know, European fans. They always tell me, you know, we're pulling for Europe to win, but we want you to win all your matches. So that's, uh, so that's why, you know, and, uh, you know, you know me, I'm just however you treat me is the way I treat you. So I get along with everybody. You from Hawaii? I thought you were Mexican. Same thing. Yeah. 
Gabriel Gabriel Iglesias or whatever the a comedian. He said that when he went to Hawaii, he was scared walking off the plane. But he said, man, when I got off off the plane in uh, Honolulu Airport, he said I was real relaxed because uh, Hawaiians all they are is just overgrown Mexicans. <laughs> so that's what he said. <laughs> so so he's, he was relaxed. Uh, so that's it. But I, but Donald Trump. Now I'm happy that Donald Trump is president because he he said his first thing he's going to do is build a wall between me and the buffet line. So, there's hope for me yet. That's the first wall he's building. Yeah, it's going to have to be a big one, isn't it? (laughs) But no, as far as the the captain pick for the Moscone Cup is, Mark was in a no-win situation and a win-win situation. You know, whoever he picks is going to be a great asset, and whoever he did it pick, you know, is going to feel slighted and, you know, obviously. So, that's that's one of them uh, thankless jobs. He was in a he was in a tough spot um, from for sure from the get go. I mean, you, obviously when you get your, your three qualifiers that qualify on points, there is nothing you can do about that, whether you agree with it or you don't. Um, and I I was having a conversation with somebody and I said I don't know about this whole team if I'm looking at everything that uh, you know everybody's stats. I said. I don't know if I couldn't replace a whole team. And they said, <laughs> who, 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 who would you replace them with? And that's when it hit me. I'm like, I have no clue who I could replace a team with. There's no, there isn't. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really, really tough. There's some people potentially could be good on the team. Some that potentially could be bad on the team. But on the in the big scheme of things, if you said Mark, you're the captain of the USA now, Mark Cantrell, you're captain of Team USA, and you get to pick whoever you want, boy, that and, and this is the team that we know who we're playing against. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. So we're gonna we're gonna do good. We're gonna make you know we're gonna we're gonna surprise. We're gonna shock the world like Muhammad Ali. That's it. Yeah. You didn't think I'd do that, did you? Yeah. <laughs> We're going to sting them, too. Yeah. Well, yeah. I... I, 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 I mean, I, it races to, races to five or six. I mean, people don't realize. It races to five or six. All we got to do is, is be even on the breaks, and it's and then it's really... It's a it's a coin toss and whoever, you know, whoever's going to... Because remember, like I tell people all the time, I said, okay, why would you be afraid of somebody? Okay, what can they do? They can run out every time they shoot. They can break perfect, and they can play safe perfect every time. That's all they can do. They can't do anything else to you, right? So that's it. So everything else is up to you. So if they, you know, short of doing that, that's all they can do. They can just play perfect, and that's it. So what, what's what's there to be scared of? You can do the same thing. You can play a perfect safe. You can break perfect, and you can run out every time you shoot. So, so why did why do you have to lose? Who yeah, you know, you got to lose when you play, right? What's the, what's the, see, what's the difference, though, with this? Because I, I, I had this conversation just maybe a day or two days ago about this, saying all these players, and I agree with I agree with this part, every one of the players can beat any of the other players on any given day, right? You're all top-quality, yeah. world-class players. Exactly. Anybody, and it's a race to five alternate break, right? So, 
Why? What does it come? To, what does it come down to? What does it come down to? It comes down to the break or the lag, right? Or one mistake. It's, it, yes, but I mean, I'm looking at when you look at the results over the last few years, how lopsided or one-sided it is. Is it? Yeah. Well, that? that's the same. Conver- that's the same conversation they were having my first four years. They were saying the opposite. Well, what are we going to do to help Team Europe win? Believe me, that conversation happened. Or how can we help Team? What, what can we do? And that's when what did they do? They put the nine on the spot. Remember the one was on the spot. Right. We were robbing them. We were robbing them. Yeah, every time it was everybody made the corner ball. Everybody broke and ran out, and whoever blinked first lost. Well, Europe always blinked first. And then they said, "What are we going to do?" Well, they put the nine on the spot, and now we were confused on the break. And then that started changing everything. And now they're saying, oh, what are we, you know, Europe's the best players ever, you know, like, huh? <laughs> we just, you know, six, seven years ago, you were, we were trying to carry them and trying to help them win. Now what? So, anyways, you know, that's neither here nor there now. we got to try and win now. You think the nine on the spot and the break marks and three balls past the head string, you think that's how uh, America should be doing that, whether it be Turning Stone or the WC Classic or the U.S. Open, you think that happens? No. No, nine ball is an exciting game if it's done right. You know, if we're breaking, everybody's breaking hard and making balls and running out, then that's fine. You know, that's, not, I don't If you look at that year when we had a, uh, what I, I thought was the best team on paper a few years ago with me, Earl, Johnny, Dennis, we, uh, and Shane, we geniuses that we are, we we tried to do some kind of weird rule with the break. Everybody got a break from the box and hit them head on and hard. And if just look back at that, just look at every match. We never got to shoot after our break. We never got to shoot after our break. Everybody said, oh, you guys lose 11-2, the worst team ever. You guys can't win. I was like, well, we never shot after our break. <laughs> like, if, you don't, if, if your opponent is shooting after his break and then he's shooting after your break, how are you going to win? You got no chance to win. So we, you know, we outsmarted ourselves that time. You know, yeah. so you know, well, if the, if the, it all boils down to just look at the stats on this year and just just jot them down for yourself if you want to, uh, you know, like have something to do and uh, just keep track of who's winning, uh, who's winning the lag, who's winning, who's getting shots after the break, and just figure it out. And then you look at the end result; it's going to be right where it should be. You know, the game is not real hard to figure out. You know. Well, unless you know that smart like me, and then it's you know it's a little bit more complicated. Uh, last time I checked, last time I last time I checked, uh, Europeans and Americans all bleed the same, so I don't think it has anything to do with uh, you know where you're from or what kind of water you're drinking. Yeah, I, I just wonder if it's the the way that they're accustomed to playing in Europe. They're used to playing with the nine on the spot. Yeah, definitely. That's what changed it for us. You know, we're getting more used to it. You know, Shane figured out the break, you know, in, in most cases. He's been winning. So we just got to figure out the break, and that's that's going to be the key. You know, if you if we get shots after our break, look for the look for the upset. Look for me to win that 4-1 to one on the money that I bet. Okay. Are you, uh, are you going to be going to, uh, I think it's St. Louis, the ballpark event? Yeah. Does a pig eat slop? The what? Does a fly fuck this? 
Yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there for sure. Yeah, that's all I'm doing. I'm I'm eating, breathing, sleeping, drinking. Uh, Moscone Cup rules. That's it. That's all I do. Okay. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah. I'm walking around. I'm walking around a backpack with Darren Appleton on the back on the back of the backpack right now, just so I get used to it. You know. So I want I want him around all the time. I got Jason Shaw pencil with uh, <laughs> uh, I got I got a Mark Gray eraser on it. So I got, I'm getting real comfortable with Euro Euro team. <laughs> it's uh. I don't know where you come up with this stuff, but uh, <laughs> I don't know if you lay awake at night thinking, let me think of something smart ask I can say to somebody. <laughs> well, no, we'll you, be ready. We'll be ready. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate you spending the time with us. Congratulations on the Hall of Fame. Congratulations on the Moscone Cup. Uh, hope to see you again soon. And, uh, uh, you know, hope, you know, obviously I wish you the best to look at the Moscone Cup. Thank you, brother. Hope we don't fall dead. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, man. Where, 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 are you, where are you heading? Um, well, I'm going to the Make It Happen, actually. Make It Happen the uh, 17th to the 20th, and eight ball in uh, New Jersey. The AccuStat stuff. So we're, we're playing in that in November. And then Thanksgiving week, you know, I got the kids over here. And then right after that, on the 27th, I'll head out to uh, St. Louis. And I'll spend the week there until we fly out to uh, Moscone Cup in London. Fly from there as a team. You gonna you gonna bring me some stuff back? I'll get you shopping list yeah. and everything. Yeah, give me a give me Santa. Santa's coming. The Rocket Santa will bring you back whatever you need. I got some. Uh, what do you call? What kind of food they got there? The only thing good over there I ate was shawarma, and that's not even British. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> Indian food. Uh, yeah, I'll be at Roger's house. So Roger's mom will cook us uh, Indian food for sure. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Every day I stayed over there uh, when he got married on a long time ago. And uh, every day she asked me, what do you want, uh, British food or Indian food? And I was like, after the third day, she didn't have to ask me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's awesome right there. I'm telling you, that's oh, yeah. awesome. Because getting good Indian food... And, and oh when my you watch him make it, it's the most delicious thing ever. My wife says, I don't know how I ever got through life without knowing about Indian food. So she met me. <laughs> yeah, wow. that's awesome. Oh, yeah. Okay, buddy. Have a good time. Enjoy yourself. Dry, uh, safe travels. Good luck out at the uh, Make It Happen. And uh, we'll, we'll speak to you again soon, my friend. Okay. Take care. I appreciate it. No problem. Well, that's it from the Legends and Champions Tour report. Um, nice to get a little bit of uh, uh, insight from Rodney. Uh, you know, he's always got something. Always got something to say. I don't know where he comes up with half the stuff that he says, but it's it's good to hear from him. Uh, he's had a great year, with, whether it be with Moscone Cup or the Hall of Fame. And um, we're all looking forward to the Moscone Cup. Let's uh, see what happens. Hopefully, we'll uh, be we'll be talking. To, I think Dave Bond will be talking to Mark Wilson uh, during the show at some point, and um, hopefully, we'll have uh, another. I don't know if there'll be a member of Team USA or Team Europe that we'll have next week, but we'll uh, we'll do our best to get everybody's input. But until then, thank you all for listening. 
and we will speak to you next week. 